0: Hello, family. This is Larry Hogan, your host for the podcast, Where Do We Go From Here? The question has been asked, the answer, forward, always forward. Have you ever heard the saying, hindsight is 2020"? When something really big happened in the past and you want to discuss it, you try to remember what and how it happened. Perhaps one would reread and listen to the comments that have been made. Me, I try and do a mental recap to see if what was said then can hold up to the truth. I also like to do a checkup and see where the major players are now. Were there any remorse? Did they change their mind or point of view? Did the results of the outcome hold true regarding the accused behavior and or patterns since the event? Today, I want to discuss what happened a little over a decade ago. What were you doing during that time period? Do you remember the event? Did you talk to your children, especially those who have sons? I'd like to share my thoughts on the subject. A decade ago, my task was on an assignment I had while attending Rollins College. The assignment was writing strategies by using the power of the pen. Indulge me as I read my thoughts, and then let's discuss afterwards so my assignment it was here's the title of my paper that I wrote if looks could kill a young man was shot to death because someone else decided that he looked dangerous and suspicious I thought if looks could kill was only a saying. Now with the full backing of Florida's stand your ground law, looks can indeed get you killed. Trayvon Martin went to a local 7-Eleven store, purchased a box of Skittles and a can of Arizona iced tea and walked to the place he left. His father Tracy's fiance home in a gated community called The Retreat at Twin Lakes in Sanford, Florida. He didn't have nary a care in the world. It was February 26th. What makes that so special? It was the NBA's annual All-Star Game, and it was being played up the road at the Amway Center in Orlando. As a matter of fact, it was halftime, and 17-year-old Trayvon was on his way back home to watch the second half of the game. At about the same time, George Zimmerman, the neighborhood watchman, was leaving from his place of residence to run some errands. It was a Sunday night and what happened next changed the lives of two families forever. George Zimmerman made a judgment call. He saw Trayvon and thought he looked suspicious. How he came to that conclusion, we will never know. I do not know how someone could look suspicious while walking, but in Mr. Zimmerman's mind, he did. I suppose one has to keep in mind, according to Mr. Zimmerman, there were some burglaries in the neighborhood earlier in the year, and a highly skilled, trained watchman like Mr. Zimmerman would know what to look for. After all, Trayvon, who was an African American, did fit a profile of other undesirables that came causing trouble in this nice community. He was wearing a hoodie, walking in the rain, and Zimmerman's thoughts were, why was he here? Where was he going? He looked like he was on drugs or something. So, just as he has done over 40 times before, Mr. Zimmerman called the Sanford Police Department to report his suspicions. After giving his diagnosis of the situation, the police dispatcher tape recorded Zimmerman's comments, including the, this guy looks like he is up to no good comment, or he is on drugs or something. He was walking around slowly in the rain looking at houses. When Zimmerman reported that Martin had started running, the dispatcher asked him if he was following and he affirmed that he was. The dispatcher said, we don't need you to do that. Zimmerman said, okay. At about the same time that conversation was going on, Trayvon Martin was on the phone with his girlfriend. This was confirmed by phone records and she reported that Martin expressed concerns about a strange man following him. She advised him to run. She heard him ask, what are you following me for? Followed by a man's voice responding, what are you doing here? She heard the sounds of pushing and suddenly Martin's headset went silent. George Zimmerman and Trayvon Martin got into a struggle. Zimmerman thought his life was in danger and fearing for his life, he shot to death an unarmed 17 year old Trayvon Martin. Imagine if you would, what might have happened if George Zimmerman had clearly identified himself from a position of concern and service instead of suspicion. Was it the hoodie that made Martin look suspicious? Could there have been a different outcome if he only would have identified himself or stayed in the car and observed? Two families' lives have now changed forever. Stand Your Ground Law. Stand Your Ground Law states that a person may use force in self-defense when there is reasonable belief of a threat without an obligation to retreat first. In some cases, a person may use deadly force in public areas without a duty to retreat. Under these legal concepts, a person is justified in using deadly force in certain situations and the Stand Your Ground law would be a defense or immunity to criminal charges and civil suits. More than half of the United States have adopted the Castle Doctrine, stating that a person has no duty to retreat when their home is attacked. In 2005, under the leadership of then Governor Jeb Bush of Florida, included the Stand Your Ground provision, which gives private citizens the right to defend themselves against an aggressor without the duty of retreat. If he reasonably feels it necessary to use deadly force to prevent death or great bodily harm against his life, he can walk away without facing any charges at all. Retired Florida Senator Durrell Peden, who sponsored the law, said it does not protect George Zimmerman in this case. It is the fact that Zimmerman ignored the 9-11 operator's advice not to follow Martin that disqualifies him from claiming self-defense under the law. Peden said, when he said that Zimmerman, I'm following him, he lost his defense. Was a crime committed? Sanford's Chief of Police, Bill Lee, held a press conference stating, Mr. Zimmerman's assertion of self-defense, until we can establish probable cause to dispute that, We don't have enough evidence to arrest Zimmerman. The first person I talked to regarding this case was Orange County Sheriff Jerry Dimmins. No charges in his reply. No charges will be made unless the state's attorney approves it. According to skydancingblog.com, ABC News reported on the night Trayvon Martin was shot and killed, Sanford Detective Chris Serino wanted to charge Zimmerman with manslaughter. State District Attorney Norman Wolfinger ordered Zimmerman released. On that same night, February 26, Serino filed an affidavit stating that he was unconvinced of Zimmerman's version of events. Jarvis Fitzgerald, local public defender attorney, said his biggest disappointment is that the legal system has not worked in this case. There was a crime committed. Killing another human requires an arrest to be made, made. not a conviction, but at the very least an arrest. One can always be released on bail, but to not even make an arrest, how does that happen? Because of the public's outcry of the handling of this case on March 22nd, Florida Governor Rick Scott announced he was appointing Angela Corey, a no-nonsense career prosecutor, with 25 years as an assistant state attorney, before being named the state attorney of the 4th Judicial Circuit in Northeast Florida in 2008. She has prosecuted 65 homicide cases with a reputation as a tough conservative in the courtroom. Her critics say she is too aggressive, specifically citing her decision to prosecute a 12-year-old boy as an adult for allegedly beating his two-year-old brother to death. Corey sees herself as a victim's advocate, and she does not try cases based on public outcry or race, creed, or color. She does not see black, white, or Hispanic. She only sees V for victim of a crime. What happens next? Tracy Martin and Sabrina Fulton, Trayvon's parents, who by the way, have been a model of consistency and class under the intense glare of the public spotlight, from the very beginning wanted information as to whether or not an arrest was going to be made. Take two human beings, one has a gun, one is unarmed. The unarmed one is shot dead and the alleged killer simply claims self-defense and he is allowed to walk away. His word is good enough and the chief of police, with the backing of the state's, this state's attorney, says there is not enough evidence to make an arrest. No probable cause, nothing. Trayvon's parents said, we simply want an arrest to be made. They have had to endure comments ranging from the clothing he was wearing to background checks on his schoolwork on being a teenager to the political divide in the country saying black-on-black crime happens all the time. Well, where's the outcry for that? And speaking of hoodie. Where were the manufacturers of the hoodies? You make millions of dollars selling your merchandise, and when someone suggests that wearing a hoodie contributed to his death, why did you not come out with a strong condemnation of that statement? It really doesn't matter whether or not a conviction of guilt or innocence is found, just as long as the system works. If you kill an unarmed man, child, or any human being, there must be a day in court. We are talking about a human life and you must be able to defend and justify why you thought it necessary to take another life. Because you felt threatened? I have buried a child before and no parent wants to do that. My daughter Natalie died of complications from diabetes at a young age. Her mother and I at least were somewhat prepared for the possibility of that happening. (laughs) Tracy Martin last saw his son going to the store to get some sweets. His last conversation with his girlfriend was about some strange man following him. Do you think he had any idea the 26th of February on the Sunday night around 6.45 p.m., would be the last time he would see his son alive? Do you think when Sabrina Fulton let her son come down and visit his father the next week, she would be a household name for this reason? Now my comment that I wrote back then a decade ago was the power of the pen. What does this story have to do with writing strategies? Everything power of the pen and through the eyes of history every change every catalyst good or bad happened because of the power of the pen when a story is told through the eyes of different people without any dissemble or hubris with different opinions different agendas that can only be a good thing It was the efforts of bloggers, writers, and activists that brought this story to the nation's eyes. The killing of a young black man, sad to say, is not new. But what is new in this case is the power of the social media and the spread of news across the world. Do we as a society really want to place life or death situations in the hands of private, untrained citizens making a judgment call based on suspicion. It is tough enough for the trained professional to make a split second decision like that and when a police officer does it, he is at least reassigned to desk duties and in some cases even taken off the street. I am the father of a 13 year old boy and I have never even thought about having to talk with him about how to behave in the presence of policemen. He personally knows the sheriff and retired police chief of Orlando. I know he now trusts and respects police officers and I have no reason to teach him any differently. But when I hear stories about African American parents teaching their children how not to run at night, make any sudden moves, I show no emotional outburst around officers of the peace, it makes me shudder. I heard a commentary on national public radio from a young black lady talking about as a kid, she was afraid of the dog, thinking there was a monster under the bed. As she grew older, she realized there was no monster. But the real tragedy of her story was to watch and worry about her brother growing up and still having to worry about the monster in our society of walking around black. No matter how successful he is, his status or position in life, no matter the accomplishment, many will still first see him as suspicious. So write, write with passion. Believe in what you are writing and do not apologize. That is what makes the process so important. Yours could be the story that will be used to begin an entire generation of new thought. Think of what we as a nation were doing before those brave men and women told their stories through the power of the pen a long time ago. If not for the written word, would we have ever heard of say the Tuskegee Airmen, Rosa Parks, the victims of the Holocaust, Amber Alerts, voting rights, or the 99 percenters versus the 1 So let history judge us by our deeds and how we leave our legacy. Somebody had to tell the story to the masses and record this information to make the world a better place for all of humankind. As the late, great Michael Jackson says in his song, man in the mirror if you want to make the world a better place take a look at yourself and make a change that is what i wrote a decade ago and now bearing in line bearing in mind what just happened in grand rapids michigan i just thought it was ironic that even though george zimmerman was not a police officer even though uh, there's two entirely different situations, it's just the, the threat or the casualness, and I don't think it is, but just the threat of, 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 of suspicion, of fear, would make anybody, instead of talking it out, pull out a gun and shoot somebody to death. Trayvon Martin was killed for basically walking black. Uh, the gentleman in Grand Rapids, Mr. Payola, uh, was killed over a registration. Escalated over a registration of of, of a, a car vehicle when you had all the information. So anyway, back to uh, the text that I had that I had commented, the reading after this uh, information, this this paper that I wrote. Let me uh, let me go back. To what I was talking about What this uh, podcast is going to be about today After reading the text My uh, comments from uh, a decade ago Here are my comments Now remember I said that I always have a couple of things That I like to do Where are the major players Uh, Were there any remorse Have they changed their mind or point of view And did the results of the outcome Hold true Regarding the accused behavior And or patterns since that event so at point, I picked up uh, three key players, and where are they now? First is George Zimmerman, of course. Most recently, he has turned his attention to lawsuits. In 2019, he filed a $100 million lawsuits against Trayvon Martin's parents for defamation. Uh, the case was dismissed. In 2020, he filed another defamation lawsuit against two presidential candidates, this time for $265 million. I haven't been able to find any more information on that, so maybe that case is still pending. Uh, Key player number two, Sabrina Fulton. She is the mother of Trayvon. And recently, she has been most compared to Mamie Till Mobley. She is the mother of Emmett Till and for a quick recap he is the 14 year old young man back in uh 55 the in the mid 50s who was brutally murdered for whistling at a white lady incidentally on her deathbed uh, that same lady she confessed that Emmett Till did no such thing the comparison of Mrs. Uh, Till Mobley to Sabrina Sabrina was that They both were aware of the possibility, but never thought anything would happen to their son. In both incidents, uh, they started a nationwide movement, the results of them. The incident with Emmett is Emmett Till is credited with rushing the start of the civil rights movement in earnest. And with Trayvon, uh, it led to the explosion of Black Lives Matter and key player number three is Benjamin Crump. He has become known as Black America's Attorney General, one prominent commentator, and I'll just leave it at that, not to, you know, to pick side whether he was right or left, but he said, if you turn on the news and Benjamin Crump is being interviewed or holding the news conference, or on stage, you know something tragic has happened in the black community. Since that time, I read several reviews and writings on the death of young Trayvon, who I thought at the very least, uh, George uh, Zimmerman should have been charged with manslaughter. Since it is so hard to prove first degree murder, But one of the most interesting reads was the technological aspects and improvements that may have helped change some outcomes since in the last decade. When I say technology, think Mamie Till's and the picture of her son Emmett in the 50s uh, when she showed the world what happened to her son. That was a picture, that was big time technology in that time. To Rodney King's savage beating in the 80s when we saw it all on television, the savage beating that he took from these police officers. To uh, the the conviction of former officer Michael Slater and his shooting of unarmed Walter Scott in the back as he ran away. Technology provided disputed evidence after Mr. Slager's written report claimed self-defense. That technology then was cell phone. And in the midst of these examples of technological evidence, the most disappointing, though, uh, was provided uh, in the last decade to me was the case of Fernando Castile. His death was live-streamed from Minnesota by his girlfriend. And, and, and her name is not important, uh, but her name was Diamond. But Mr. Castile was stopped by a police for a mere traffic incident. Mr. Castile announced to the officer that he has a loaded weapon in his car with a license to carry. Mr. Castile was shot anyhow. The officer involved was found innocent, no conviction. Even after it was live streamed, what was happening, a play-by-play commentary, and he shot him, and he was found innocent. But at least lately though, technologically, by way of cell phone video provided, it provided enough evidence in the police response and or lack thereof that led to the convictions for the killing of George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery. Now there are many more incidents that occurred in the last decades that I didn't mention but hopefully you get the message. Technology does make a difference. In many cases, the incident doesn't happen because a number of uh, Continued incidents One comment was Until all Americans And let's be frank Translation, the majority white folks Start believing that This type of brutality and treatment Has been going on for decades It is not nothing new Until you Are a rage Most of America About the treatment of fellow citizens Unfortunately Little will change, and this is despite the recent wave of convictions. These are examples of the sin, if you will, aspect of technology. Besides the empirical evidence of visualization, other means of social media, including Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, Instagrams, and other written forms of communication, provide followers with information, content, and context that reaches out to millions, even billions, across the globe. This helps to spread the message about what happened. And keep in mind, with some of these events, the actual response and arrest occurs months after the incident happened. 10 years later, the explosion of stand your ground laws, the continued lack of deregulation and unlicensed gun owners, permits, The ease of purchase and concealed carry weapons contributes mightily to the rise of violence and in some cases, vigilantism response. I am still disappointed in the fact where just the thought of perceived damage, danger, can justify the taking of a human life. The status of stand your ground laws currently There are 27 states who already have adopted stand your ground laws. Five states have adopted it in practice and three more states have uh, stand your ground laws but are applicable only if a person is threatened while in their vehicle. This brings the total to 35, which is well over half of the country. And having as famed civil rights attorney, Now, Black Attorney General Benjamin Crump said, it is a get out of jail free law. But one state, and there is one state that has neither canceled doctrine or stand your ground laws. Benjamin Crump said that these types of laws are get out of jail free. I think it should put a lot of pressure on everyone involved. And I am very disappointed in the lack of concern for taking a person's life. I still would like to believe in civilized Christian-based societies such as we have. We do everything in our power to protect the living, just as many profess protections for the unborn. According to the Urban Institute, in stand-your-ground states, white on Black homicides are 354% more likely to be ruled justified than white on white homicides or black on black homicides. 10 years later, we still have so far to go. (laughs) Actually, it's more like 200 years later, we still have so far to go. (laughs) I recently read a book titled, The Sum of Us, What Racism Costs Everyone. The author is Heather McKee, McGee and she started her career as a consultant trying to figure out how the impact of credit and the cost of education was affecting students. This is not ethnicity centric, but everyday students. And what she eventually landed was racism and what it cost the entire nation. And dare I say the world In terms of equity, justice, and the quality of life. Racism in all its forms and names affect all of us in more ways than you can imagine. Especially in terms of economic growth. Now that's a story and a campaign and a subject for another matter. But I can certainly address how racism has affected the entire world in economic growth and opportunity. So let me end with this quote from one of the most progressive leaders in the world, the Reverend Dr. William Barra. He is co-founder of the Poor People's Campaign. And he said, the only way to ensure domestic tranquility is to establish justice. My comment on that is I thought justice was blind. This is Larry Hogan, your host of the podcast, Where Do We Go From Here? The answer, forward, always forward.